Hi everyone, welcome to Talk Tech with Data Dave. I'm Alexis and today we're doing an expert episode. Talk Tech with Data Dave is brought to you by D3 Clarity, offering clarity for improved decision making. D3 Clarity delivers profitability multipliers through better data and digital infrastructure. For more information, contact D3 Clarity at d3clarity.com. I'm here with my good friend, Data Dave, who you all know. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Data Dave. Thank you, Alexis. And we're here with our expert, as Alexis just said, Mr. Patrick Walsh, who heads up our cloud and security business unit here at D3 Clarity. Hey, Dave. Hello, Alexis. Good to be with you hey, guys Patrick. today. Hi, Patrick. Good to see so you. So if Dave was Data Dave, then Patrick would be Cloud Patrick, but it doesn't have the same ring to it. It so... does not have the same ring. Does not. Yeah. Absolutely does not have the same ring. <laughs> <laughs> But as Dave said, Patrick is the leader of our cloud engineering team. Our cloud engineering team is doing all kinds of awesome things. And although we often talk about data on Talk Tech with Data Dave, this podcast is all about all things data, all things cloud, all things technology, all things D3 Clarity. So we thought it'd be awesome to bring a cloud expert on to talk about a kind of inclusive topic today, identity. And so that is my question for today. Dave, Patrick, Talk to me about what identity means in the digital world, because I come from an HR background, as you and our listeners know. And so to me, identity means something very different than it means to you. <laughs> right. So Go ahead, let, me, Dave. Let, me, let me take that one first. Right. So identity in the digital world and in the modern digital world, especially, is a huge issue and a huge thing from social media, from the ethics of identity who is a person, how do you protect your privacy, identity theft, and various other things. So that is a tremendously large and interesting issue. From a data perspective, it often means the demographic data that describes somebody, your name, your address, your different things that actually uniquely identify you. But that's not where I think we should focus today. I think today, and we'll maybe come back to that in a different episode, but today where we should focus is on the security and the protection of that. As we see more and more data, and as we talked about in a previous episode, more and more data moving to the cloud, what I think we should talk about is how data can be protected, how people's data can be protected, and should people be worried about their data moving to the cloud? And so I'm going to hand that to Patrick, who heads our security and is a certified security expert. Is it a security well, certification, Patrick? Exciting news just got my cybersecurity certification today, actually this morning, which was awesome. It's through the ISC squared organization, which is the certifying organization for security governance, policies, procedures, all that good stuff that happened this That's morning. Awesome, that was Patrick. fun. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank Congratulations. you. Yep. So security around identity, I guess, is the great place for us to start with this, this identity in the digital world idea. So yeah, talk to me about what that really means or what that really looks like, especially pertaining Patrick from a cloud perspective. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and learn a little bit more about that. Well, from a cloud perspective, we do a lot of things to protect. In, in my case, the way I treat the data, it's all PII or PCI related data because um, well, well, or well, even well, HIPAA. Gotta stop there. What's PII or PCI? So PII is the personally identifiable information. So that's stuff like your name, your birth date, your social security number, your email address, all that good stuff, right? These are all data points as Dave has laid out in his previous 
uh, TikToks that these are data points that define you. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so all of that information is, I mean, it's out there in droves in probably multiple locations, multiple platforms, multiple areas where sometimes it's hard to tell where all of your information actually is. Can we drill into that for a minute? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. If we... We've all put our personal information, we've all purchased things online, we all do a number yep. of things online, and we have to put out a certain amount of information in order to be effective, right? So identifying information, credit information, health information, etc. Correct. Um, and we trust the people with that information, that it does not get compromised, and sometimes it does, as we all hear in the news. The thing that's happened recently, and I think this might be interesting to talk about, is We've recently started, in the last couple of years really, receiving these codes on our phones that people require what they call MFA, multi-factor authentication and things. Could you explain that a little bit to people so that we can understand how that is used to help protect this valuable information that is our identity, whether it's credit identity, our identity, or our health identity? Right. Yeah, more than that, Patrick, I'd also like to know why. Like, why do I have to do that? Well, okay, these are both loaded questions. So let me first answer the MFA piece. So security normally is, at least through internet or the you know cyber world, it's a something you know will get you access to data, right? And something you know would be your username and a password. Those are two pieces of information that you know. Now, anybody using brute force attacks or man in the middle attack or anything like that could pick that information up and compromise whatever account that you're logging into. For example, if it was a Gmail account or you know your Amazon account or whatever the case may be, if, if you don't have multi-factor authentication, MFA or 2FA, which is two-factor authentication, it becomes very easy for that stuff to get brute-forced passwords guessed, especially when it's like password one, two, three, or, you know, <laughs> or... Who really uses password one, two, three, do they? Dude. <laughs> the, I laugh because I know the answer, but... <laughs> the, the password one, two, three, or let me in. Or open says me. There's all kinds of things that people use. Here's my last name with a birth date or whatever. So a lot of these passwords that we think of because we're like, well, I don't want to forget that. They're easily guessable, yep. which is why not only do you see the MFA become mandatory on multiple different sites, and it's also using password managers that have, instead of using an eight minimum eight, which could be, I think if it's like eight letters, it could be guessed within like a couple hours. If you do 10, 30 days, and if you do letters, uppercase, lowercase numbers and special characters, it takes like 32,000 years or some crazy number like that. Anyway, it to like guess it. Yeah. For them to brute force it. Okay. So it just takes forever. So uh, so having, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to stop you now, Patrick. Brute force it. Is that when people just like just make stuff up until it works? Yeah, they just start that, guessing. Okay. Like you see in the movies, they just start guessing. Yeah, so the brute force is when they just iterate through the string, right? Yep. With a computer and say, 
I'm going to try all A's first, and then I try all A's and a B, and then all A's, a B, and a C, et cetera, et cetera. So you're just iterating through with an algorithm to say, eventually, I'm going to find the right string. Yeah. Got you. Okay. So the longer your password, the more secure it is, but still can be guessed. So enter 2FA. So now you have two pieces of information that you know, plus a third that is sent to you that only you know, and it can't be guessed because that 2FA cycles through. Now, people use you know, that you get the text message, you can get the magic link in your email, or you have the Google the Authenticator special, or the, yeah, or the, the special Microsoft. Phone apps and so on. Yeah. yeah, they're all there. They're all add an extra level of protection to your specific accounts, right? So if anybody listening, if you don't have MFA, you should definitely turn it on for everything. So, you so, you, <laughs> so the, the, the point here is that that then, correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, it connects you, the person, to you you the identity in the cyber world, right? So it connects me to my Amazon account. So now Amazon knows that it's me and I know that I've accessed the correct account in Amazon. Correct. Yeah. And and, and your recommendation is that we should all embrace these multi-factors, these multiple pieces that just make that connection stronger. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And they're now coming out with, let's not use passwords at all. They're coming out with the, you have to have the specific device, right? You have to have the secret key, the encryption right. keys. Like I know Microsoft and Google and I want to say Amazon are implementing it, but basically, yeah, you would have a hash on your phone and if you have your phone, you can access it, right? So it now moves it down to device level, right? I'm going to do a recap, although Dave, you actually just did an Alexis recap and you did a really good job. So good job there. I'm going to do an yeah. Alexis recap though. MFA two-factor authentication is a good thing to have to help us make sure that the person who is logging in is the person who's supposed to be logging in. And the reason we do it is to add a third layer of security versus just a username and password. Is that kind of the synopsis of that? Yes. Okay, cool. I think so I understand that, that a little bit more. Yep. So even better than two-step or MFA or, you know, username, password, all that stuff would be pass keys, which is you have your personal device logging into your computer. It syncs that information. And now you have to have a device. I mean, even my laptop has biometrics on it, right? So mm-hmm. no one can get in my laptop unless they got my fingerprint. No one can get in my phone unless they have my fingerprint, or they could try and guess my super secret pin. You know, these are all the things that protect us. And what are we protecting? Well, we're protecting our financial information. We're protecting our health information. We're protecting our personal correspondence between loved ones, whether it's text messaging or emails or anything like that. So it's not like it was when I was growing up where you just like, yeah, no phones, no pictures, no cameras, no evidence, right? Now there's evidence (laughs) and cameras and pictures everywhere. So, you know, you want to make sure you protect yourself. And this is just one of the ways that you would protect it by using these various different ways of authentication. Excellent. And the risk there is that if somebody does gain access to your information, they can pretty quickly gain access to an awful lot of information. If they can get into your Amazon account, they've got your entire buying history. If they can get into your bank record, not only can they possibly transfer money out, but they've also got your purchase history and your financial history. Yep. Which which is essentially a fingerprint of your life. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of information. So being able to properly authenticate or identify yourself to these systems that you want to be identified by and then hold that tight 
is actually incredibly important. We mm -hmm. all know the benefits of this modern world, but there are risks and dangers that come along with those benefits. Oh, yeah. Everybody has to do their own risk acceptance and mitigation and all the stuff that comes along with putting your stuff out on the interwebs. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. this goes into the real life as well, right? So we see what people call omni-channel purchasing and so on, where you can go into a store and the store knows your online presence. So this is the Whole Foods plus Amazon Prime knows exactly who you are when you come into the store, when you check out. And it's that, okay, not only is it that online presence, it blends into this, you bought this online, therefore you probably want this when you get to Whole Foods or get to the actual shop. Yep. Dave, you called that omni omnipresence as in always present. Is that a, a technical word or is that a Dave word? It's omnichannel. And it's, omnichannel. It, it's a term for essentially omnichannel, all channels that a retailer or a business can use to reach you, Alexis. So it's saying okay, okay. the data moves across all the channels that are being used to reach you, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whatever it might be, all the channels are using the same data set and the benefits and the same sales, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. All in the name of marketing. <laughs> hey, did you know you're on so, the aisle that has something that you just bought on Amazon? You should buy another one. So, so interestingly, I did a project some years ago for a gaming company. What they did was, as you walk past the store, if you'd been to their store before and logged on to their network, then they would detect you walking past and they would play a clip of the video game that you recently bought on the monitor outside the store. Ah, oh my gosh. I mean, that's kind of genius and also very scary. Yes, it is. But that's the power that we're reaching to. If you bring in the security, this authentication type realm that Patrick's talking about and combine that with the data work that we currently think about and start to say, okay, Alexis is walking past this store. Therefore, her phone is walking past this store. Therefore, we're going to do this because Alexis is interested in this. We were just at DGIQ, right? And we're about to go to DGIQ again. Well, everybody who goes to DGIQ has a badge. Mm -hmm. And then that badge has an RFID chip or mm -hmm. one of the little uh, It's like a barcode scanner. Yeah. Yeah. QR codes. Yeah. And so when you walk into a session, you get automatically scanned. They're like, oh, they must be interested in topics X, Y, and Z. And you automatically get the emails, the follow-up emails after the event from whatever companies that you visited the booth or whatever the situation is, right? So so shameless plug, Patrick, you just mentioned DGIQ, which is the Data Governance <laughs> Data Quality Conference that's occurring in DC, Washington, DC in the beginning of December. So if you want to come talk to us, we will be there and we'll be hosting sessions to talk anything data and data governance, data management, et cetera. Yep. Shameless plug. As long as we're doing shameless plugs, I'm about that life. Patrick, the cloud team had some really great news recently because D3 Clarity just achieved its AWS cloud migration competency, right? Yes, we did. It was a big competency. We had enough use cases and clients and stuff that we were able to uh, get that competency. So that competency is the migration competency. So it goes all the way from data migration, which is one of our specialties, whether you're moving megs, gigs, or terabytes, we've done it all. And then, you know, data migration, application migration, also putting in the security governance, networking, all the pieces of the puzzle that, you know, a good cloud architecture design is needed. A lot of people think, oh, we'll go to the cloud. It's super easy, but 
these days, you have a whole team that runs your data centers, right? You have a network engineer, you have a platform engineer, you got a database administrator, right? Those right. positions don't disappear when you move out to the cloud. <laughs> it's still needed. Like you might not need 10, but you still need a couple people there to, to manage the environments, right? And do all the maintenance work that's required, which on the cloud side of D3, that's, you know, we do all of that stuff, right? You can hire some of our team members to go do that stuff for you. So anyway, so what, so shameless what, plug. Exactly. Shameless I'm all about plug. them. Uh, <laughs> So that is basically, if you are moving to the cloud and starting to take some of your data and applications to the cloud, then we D3 Clarity in conjunction with AWS and as certified by AWS can assist in moving the data, the applications, networks, et cetera, in a managed, secure, guaranteed manner that says, yes, this data is protected in a manner that is acceptable within the industry and within the various levels of privacy that are required, whether it's identity, whether it's health, whether it's credit type information. Yep. So and don't let the easiness of the cloud fool you. The easiness doesn't put any security in place. The easiness is just that it's easy. And the reason why we have a cloud team and why there's hundreds of cloud migration experts out there in the world is because it's not easy, right? By default. TLS encryption is not enabled for your communication to your databases. By default, it just allows anything to talk to it, right? That's PCI standard. You have to have the proper encryption between your application layer, your data layer, and all that stuff. These are all things that, oh, well, we got it working, but... Just to drive that home, isn't yeah. it true, Patrick, that we were doing an audit one time and we happened to come across a organization that had their data warehouse open to the entire internet? Yeah, <laughs> it was, um, it wasn't great, but we got to shut down as soon as we found out, you know, it was like told yeah. the, uh, the client, I was like, yeah, this is bad, bad juju. This is not you need good. to fix this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Patrick, you just said like TCL encryption. Is that what TLS. you said? TLS. TLS. That is a subject for another day. I'm going to put a pin in that. <laughs> um, Dave, I'd also like to put a pin in this bigger conversation of identity. I think that that'll be a great question for you and I to talk about at another day, uh, not from a security standpoint, but from a straight digital standpoint. Absolutely. But this is basically the end of our time. So to wrap things up, Patrick, thank you so much for being what? our expert. I had to ask you a bunch of questions, which means you did a good job. It means I had to learn something today, which is awesome. So thank you so much for being on with us. And Dave, thanks as always for being day to Dave and chatting with us. Yep. And thank you, Patrick. Congratulations on your certification and on the uh, accreditation that we received. So congratulations on both of those. And thank you very much for joining us. And Alexis, as usual, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks, everyone. If you have a question for Data Dave, reach out to us via email at talktech at day3clarity.com. We'll be happy to answer your questions in the podcast. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by D3 Clarity. No one has time or patience to fix all of their data and infrastructure problems. D3 Clarity helps some of the world's most recognizable brands take the right action to turn their information into strategic profit making. For more information, go to D3Clarity, that's the letter D, the number three, the word clarity.com.